In this podcast, I'm going to be talking with a seasoned retail entrepreneur who runs a boutique clothing store in beautiful Blenheim, Ontario. We're going to learn about his business, his marketing, and a bit of insight into the golf industry, believe it or not. Let's get started. Would you rather talk about your sex life or money life? Surprisingly, most people would rather not talk about money, how to save it or invest it. This podcast is about helping you simplify your money life. Delivered by Dr. Henry Joseph Speck, a psychologist by training, Henry is a seasoned investor with over 40 years of successful investing in real estate, stocks, and other alternate forms of income generation. Tune in to the twice-monthly podcasts to get his thoughts and tips on how to reach financial freedom. How to achieve the life you deserve. Now, here's Dr. Speck. Welcome back. Here I am with Don Gilbert, who's a, uh, how should I put it? Uh, I call him a fashion consultant, but you would say you are? A fashion consultant. <laughs> you hit it right on. <laughs> We're in Blood, Ontario. Don runs an amazing clothing shop for primarily men. Do you sell women's stuff too? Uh, no, it's primarily men. I do have some women come in and buy some stuff that's uh, that can be, uh, you know, a, a lady can wear some tops and stuff. But yeah, we're primarily men. How long you been at it? I've been at it for seven years, but the store is uh, 51 years old this year. So, so it's been here a long time. So thanks for coming. I see Don uh, quite a bit. We hang out a little bit at the, I call it the barber shop, the real estate shop here. And uh, I see him on Wednesdays occasionally. Very impressed. Now, tell us a bit about your background, because you weren't always... uh, This podcast, by the way, as you know, is about retailing and the expertise and how it's changing over time. But I want to find out first, where were you before this, and why did you get into retailing of clothing? Well, originally, I I worked in a factory for 16 years, and then uh, while I was in there, I opened up a video store in Richtown. And so we had the video store for 26 years. So that's kind of my first kick at, at retail. Um, and it was we were in at the early days, and it was a tremendous business. We did real well at it, but it was uh, very time-consuming. Eventually, we sold it, but also I got into the golf business. So then I spent 20 years in the golf business, and I learned a lot of uh, different retail. Uh, most importantly, customer service, and that's one of the biggest things for Man, retail. How old are you? You got all your hair. How old are you? I'm 60. Holy! Huh? Dude, this guy, this guy it's doesn't not only look, all there. How come you look 40, man? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Genetics, right? Got good family. Jenny, you. you should see my mom. The head of hair. My mom. She just turned 95. <laughs> She's got a full head of hair, so I could definitely get it from her. <laughs> I'm sorry. But anyway, no. Uh, so <laughs> you know, customer service was really big for us in retail. So that's one of the things we learned. And I got in the golf business. So I was in the golf business for 20 years, uh, managing golf courses. I carry my PGA card, but most importantly, um, in the golf business, it was about customer service and, and taking care of people. So, so you're like a professional golfer. Well, uh, no, PGA I'm a golf card. professional. I got a PGA card, a Canadian PGA card, but I call myself a professional or a golf professional. So a professional golfer makes money playing. Right. Um, if I relied on making money playing, I wouldn't make a nickel. So I'm a golf professional. Did you do the tour thing? Like they have all those? No, I, I've always just managed golf courses. That's okay. where, that's the business. I was in the business of golf. And what's the business of golf? How would you, if you had to summarize it in a couple of minutes, what's the challenges and what's the benefits of the business of golf? Well, it's been seven years since I've been in it, but when I got out of it, the challenge is, uh, uh, you know, balancing a budget for sure. It was very difficult because what ended up happening is the fees started dropping. Everybody started cutting each other and started doing two for one coupons and all that kind of stuff. So the average fee that you were getting for golf, uh, 
dove tremendously. You know, when I left the business, or when I, uh, at one point in the business, I was getting $55, $60 for a round of golf. It was it was easy. Wow. Uh, but that's really dropped. Now people are paying $30, $35 for a round of golf, and they did that to try to spruce up business. But the problem was they could never get it back. So if you owned a golf course, is that a real estate play? We talk a lot about real estate. Is it real estate or an actual going business concern, you think? Oh, it's a going business concern. So the you real know, estate owning is a golf separate. course, it's, it's the real the real estate part of, you mean uh, building houses and no, stuff? No, like around? if you were going to invest today, like let's <laughs> say today you're going to buy a golf course. Is it about the business or about the real estate that you're buying? Just to, Even if you break even or lose a bit, you don't care on the business because you still got this great real estate you're paying off. Or is that not... Well, that, no, that's not nothing I've really thought of. But, okay. You know, golf courses have always been golf courses. It's not it's not a piece of property that you would flip and turn into housing. It happens, but it's not necessary. You wouldn't really buy a golf course with the back of your mind saying, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll flip it into housing. So all the other business, it's just like all the other businesses you run. It's based on income, revenue, expenses. What's the biggest expense of a golf course? In a golf course, uh, well, let me think. Uh, it's been a while, but the biggest expense certainly is... Uh, uh, Maintain maintenance, maintenance, the maintenance barn, and, and uh, taking care of everything would be the biggest part of the budget. Like labor, uh, or are you talking equipment? Equipment, or? labor, and uh, um, product to take care of it, and then labor uh, over and above that. Labor, you know, in the clubhouse, labor in the uh, uh, pro shop, and so on. But the biggest expense is maintaining the. the okay, product. before we get back to your current, would you own a course today if you could? Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would, I would. Think I would own a course, risk, but eh? it depends on the position you are. I mean, if you're in a position where um, you don't need a lot of return out of it, and you can make it work, I think uh, golf today is 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 fine. But what? Um, what why but would it's, you... it depends on the area as well. But why know? would you buy an investment where you don't want a lot of return? I don't get that. That's crazy. It's well, still a passion for you. You ask, there you go. I mean, I'd buy a course because I have a passion for it, and I like the game of golf. Wouldn't I mean, it be I'd cheaper wake up to every get morning a, and go play my own golf course. It'd be, it'd be cheaper awesome. to get a bunch of memberships or something? Or? <laughs> yeah, right. But, I mean, you know, that's you got to have money behind you. And it makes it's, it's, it's much helpful, or it's a lot it's easier when there's money behind so it. So is it kind of like that winery thing? People buy wineries because they know they're never going to make a nickel, but they love to say they either yeah. love to drink the wine or love to Yeah, make. there's a lot of businesses out there that are kind of like that, right? Okay, People so, just have it because it's a passion. They're not getting rich on it. They're just... They so just let's skip to, to retailing men's clothing or being a fashion... I call you a fashion designer because that's what... You're more of an image consultant, really, I, I think. Because I, I personally... I'll disclose. I personally go to your store and, eat, you know, I don't wear clothes that are, you know, really nice until I go see you. And then you just kind of... You do it. Like, I don't have to bring my wife. Normally, I bring my wife shopping because I, if I buy something, it sucks and it's useless, right? But when I go to you, I don't need – I just go in. I decide to buy stuff. You set it up. I go home, and she says it's amazing. It's a, it's Yeah, it's, well, it's it's, cool. that's the way it works. It doesn't normally work that way. That's a low percentage of how it works. How do you mean? Well, generally, um, 80% of my clientele is female. They come in and buy the stuff for the guys and take it home, and they put it on. Oh, so it, in we were in uh, we're sitting here in rural Ontario. Right, it might be different in the cities, but here in rural Ontario, um, a lot of my customers and, and gentlemen that are wearing my clothes are, are working when I'm open, and you know farmers oh, and right. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So they can't they can't really get up. So, uh, but generally speaking, the the fashion person in the household in rural Ontario is is the female, and she's you know she knows what she wants her man to look like. Well, how do you? Mark? So I I never knew that when I got into business that 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 percentage of customers were going to be female. So the woman is actually your customer? 
I, I, uh, when I go out marketing, I market in areas that the ladies will see it. Whoa. And I'm very fortunate because I'm surrounded by ladies' stores. Without the ladies' stores surrounded by me, I'd have a difficult time making it work. I wouldn't have it's, thought that. Yeah, not, well, I didn't know that when I got into it, but it's true. And uh, the ladies' stores in, um, here in Blenheim, the ladies' stores and the gift shops as well uh, that we have, they drive the retail traffic big time, and then I just feed off them. So how do you market what do you do? What's your marketing strategy? Well, my marketing strategy today is changing. It's changing all the time. But right now, social media is a pretty big way to market and promote your business. So uh, right now, Facebook and Instagram is very big for me to try to market. But we certainly use paper. Our local newspaper is very big because here we are in rural Ontario. Everybody still reads the Blenheim paper. I know, yeah. And the Ridgetown paper. I advertise in the Tensville paper. Um, I advertise in uh, two Chatham papers. I, so I continue to do that. And radio works very well for us as well. We've got a couple of nice radio stations in the area. So I well, use those as well. You find radio helpful? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I noticed you now, never Now, I asked... don't do radio on my own. It's always as a group. Oh, okay. Yeah, and all the other ones I quite often would do on my own. I notice you've never asked me to be a spokesmodel or anything. Or well, you, you know what? If you want to come and be a model, you're, you're perfect. <laughs> That's not you gotta, happening. Yeah, you look great I when I've got no, you already, no, I'm huh? just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, so back to the business of what you do. What's your biggest challenge in the workplace? Like, What's your biggest challenge with your business? Well, in small business, the biggest challenge is, is you know, making a profit. I'm, you know, I don't even consider myself small business, to be quite honest with you. I call, I consider myself micro business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't have any employees. Right. So um, it works for us because we're at a position in our life that I don't need a lot of money. I can make things work with this much money. If a young guy came in and said, I want to buy your store, um, you know, we got to sit down and, and really think hard about it because, you know, How's he pay a mortgage, send kids to school, have car payments, and so on and so forth? And how's he put away for that rainy day in a micro business today? And what I'm doing could be very difficult without a significant another having a, a, a relatively large uh, income coming in on top of it, right? So a lot of micro businesses are successful today, but they also have another um, form of income coming into the household to make it all work. So how do you differentiate yourself from all the other, you know, places people can go to get a jacket or shirt or sweater? Well, you know what? First of all, when I differentiate myself from the corporate world, and, and that's what we are. We're a boutique. I'm not a... I'm, I'm a menswear store, but I like to refer to myself more as a boutique. Uh, when you go into other into the corporate world, you're pretty much on your own nowadays. I don't think they teach customer service in the corporate world anymore. It's really, you go in, you're on your own. Uh, the fit's on your own, what it looks like, what you're putting together, and so on. So when you come in the store, that's some people, the very first thing we do is 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 greet, us, greet them, and then what are you looking for, and where are you going, and what color you got, and... You know, that pants too big or that shirt no good and this is what you need and put this with that and, and so on. So it's really about personal customer service and that's how we can differentiate ourselves from the corporate world and it works. How you know? tough is it to source out material, uh, the actual products you sell? Source out? You mean how, how hard is it to get it? To be unique. Like, is it hard to get, you know, Canadian products or like, how do you... Yeah, it's hard to get Canadian made products. We do have some. There are a couple companies out there that are uh, really good Canadian, but not, not much. I don't think there's any mills at all. So all fabrics are imported. There are some Canadian manufacturers. But what we, what we look for is, is lately is 
a lot of stuff from the European Union, uh, like Turkey and Portugal and places of that nature. The European Union seems to be producing um, a quality standard that that we like. But on top of that, more importantly, we know the people that are making are happy people. You know, they're in situations in the European Union that there's policies and procedures in place that we're familiar with here in Canada. So we're happy about that. And you can see it in the product. Um, and it's sustain- sustainable clothing. That's the other nice thing that we're, the other thing that we look for is a product that lasts. If it, if it becomes tired in your closet, you can pass it down. You can pass it to the church or the Salvation Army, and someone's going to get more life out of that. But nowadays, a lot of the corporate world stuff and the stuff that they're selling, it's not sustainable. You get a year out of it, and the churches don't yeah. even want it because yeah. they can't, no one has any more use for it. It just ends up in our dumps. So let's so, drill down a bit because I ask everybody these questions. So on the um, one of the things I, thought, I talk about is that when people get paid, they should basically live on less than they get paid, and automatically it goes into an account somewhere, and they don't think about it. They can't spend it. It's... You know, and, and regardless of how much you make, whether it's 5%, 10%, or whatever, when it comes to a business, that's it's like it's like a person, right? That's that thing, that entity that's moving. How tough is it to automatically take dough out and put it away so you don't have to think about and spend what's left, or is that impossible in a micro business? It's tough in a micro business, but it's not impossible. It's just getting, it's learning how to live on on what you give yourself. When you're, when you're self-employed, you pay yourself. Well, then you just discipline yourself to pay future Don, so to speak. So Don today gets this much money, but future Don gets this much money. And if anything, you know, you definitely don't want future Don to, to get shortchanged because it is the future. And if you don't do that, you know, you're going to be 80 still doing, you know, selling clothes or whatever you happen to be in your micro business. If you want to shut it down at 65 or 68, something like that, You've got to discipline yourself to put it aside. And it's not impossible to do. So it do can you, be difficult in the micro business. I understand that, but it's not impossible. Do you think 10%, 20 what, what number, what percent of, of, of yeah, revenue should be a goal, you think, for young people listening or starting a business or even old guys like me who are in business? Jeez, I, I don't. I really don't know that what percentage it would be. But, you know, you got to do the math and figure out, you know, you need a financial advisor and an account to, to kind of help you where you want to be. And uh, everybody has a different standard of living and so on. So, you know, I would think that at least 10%, yep. you know, if you're, if you're making, if you're get, if you're paying yourself six, $700 um, a week, then you, then future Don or future whoever should get at least a hundred as well on top of that. And it, you don't touch it. it it's got to, You've got to put that away and leave it. it. You can't pull it for any capital expenditures in your house or whatever. It's got to stay there. It so how do you invest? So so th- we I ask everybody this question. So so how do you invest? <laughs> you know that that money for investment is it is it just well tell me how do you invest it? Well, it's a, for me. Um, for me, it would be it's just an automatic deposit. And you know I have financial guys, and I, I'm not much of a financial guy when it comes to investments. I rely on someone else. So I hire someone else to take care of that for me. But I just discipline myself to give him the money. So how do you trust? Because so, one of my big issues is trust, right? When it comes to money and that I kind of disagree. I think people should take care of their own because you, you wake up one morning and Joe's invested in some mutual fund that 
How do you trust these guys? How do you well, find if you're, out who if, to you're trust? if you're sharp on it and you understand it, and you follow it, and you pay attention to it, you can invest on your own. No question. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not. Well, I'm interested be. in my money growing, but I'm not interested on how it grows. I you just, could be. I could be, but I'd rather go golfing. <laughs> I'd rather go golfing. <laughs> yeah. We're talking five hours a week. Come on. So tell me, back to my question. How do you find someone you trust? Because a lot of people out there are exactly in the same situation. Well, we're fortunate we're in a small community. We know people around here. The people that I have working for me, um, he's a friend. I played hockey with him. I grew on, grow, I didn't grow up with him, but I played a lot of hockey with him. I played a lot of sports with him and golf with him, and I know him. So I'm very comfortable with them. I know him and I know his family and it all works, right? So, um, and then on top of that, I, I also have money with my bank institute. Canadian banks, I think, are, are pretty reliable sources of investments. Let them take care of your money. I don't know of any bank in Canada that I wouldn't trust. Financial advisor offices and stuff like that, There's you've got to look at them. They're all very, very good, but some have fees that are much higher than others. And I think... Uh, you want to be careful of that for sure, but I think our banking uh, institutions in Canada are very honest and fair places to drop so, your money. So a couple more questions before we start for today. So I want to, I, my first podcast was called The Ice Cream Shop because that was one of my biggest failures in business. What would you say would be one of your biggest failures in business and biggest successes? Start with failure. Failure. Or, yeah, or I don't want, maybe failure is too strong. I call mine all failures. You can call them blips or, or learning experiences or whatever works. But mine was a failure. I just say it was a failure, man. It was dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I, I uh, You've never had one. Because well, you got oh, out of video. Yeah, hey, listen, you got out of I mean, video before Netflix came along. That was not easy. That was smart. Well, that was just luck. It wasn't, I didn't know that. Uh, you know, you know we were moving at the time, and uh, the people that were coming in and yeah. wanted it, they were really into it and stuff. And, and then it turned out that way, but um, that was just luck. It was, I don't know. I say that timing. word, too, and sometimes I think maybe we should not take credit, but realize that it's like that coin flip. If you can beat it just a little bit, you're going to do really well in life. You don't have to win all the time. Yeah. You, like Vegas, right? They don't have to win all the time. Just a little better than the flip, and they've got your money. Yeah. So you don't have a big failure. In business, I mean... Yeah, that's all we care about, right? Yeah, in business, you know, I uh, the video store we did really well at. Uh, in the golf business, I had uh, a decent career in the golf business. Maybe I would have liked to have done a few things a little bit different, but in the golf business, I, I did okay. And, and this store, um, the clothing store that we bought seven years ago, we've been just getting better at it every year. Last year, 2018, was the best year we've had. That's, a, that's so, great. That's great. Um, I can't really say, you know, and I got that just, you know, I learned from my dad. He he was, uh, he just taught me how to work, and that's what he did. He was a hard worker, and I watched him his whole life, and and um, that's what he did. He, he just worked his tail off, and that's, so what stopped that's all you I've from done. Hi what stopped you from hiring an employee other than the cost? Like, I mean. Well, it come right out of my pocket. The, the money's just not there in this. a micro business, and there's a lot of things you know, that I just don't want to, I'm at a point, if I was a younger man, I probably would have an employee and try to grow a little bit. The business has got an opportunity to grow, particularly um, online, with online shopping. Yeah, yeah. I could do some stuff online, but I am at a point in my life where I'm not really looking for more hours to work. I'm looking for to work less hours. Employees, there's employees, I've had employees over the years, and they, sometimes it's, they're a little, it's time consuming. They, and 
sometimes when you just lock the door and there's no one there, there's no worries. Let me ask you this. You know? This is a really crazy question because, you know, I ask those. But I've always wondered why uh, clothing shops or, or places like yours don't have, you know how they have artists and residents where you go and there's an artist painting in the back of some art gallery somewhere. Why do clothing shops not have like a designer in residence? Like some dude who's, you don't pay him. They're just working and they're going to have one rack maybe and he or she makes a certain type of shirt or dress or whatever. And that's the only, but it's so unique to you that you go and see what Joe made last week and maybe you buy it or not. What, what stops people from doing that? Well, I think that exists. I'm not sure in the men's wear, but I, I yeah. know that exists in ladies wear. Ladies wear. <clears throat> ladies wear. There's, there's people out there that. We're just boring guys. Make, own, yeah. make their own clothing. And, and I've never heard that in men's clothing, but I'm sure it's out there in the cities and. You know, for around here, there's just not, you know, there's not the uh, call for it. No one wants okay. to come in to see what uh, John's making in the back yeah. room from clothing. Yeah. It's, right. Men are pretty boring, right? Yeah, well, men are pretty basic. What's right? the youngest customers? Do you, do you have young people come in, or is it? Mainly? Oh yeah, I've got I've got some customers down in their twenties for sure. Uh, not as many. Uh, the the bulk of my customers are probably um, forty five to sixty. I've got a lot of customers, sixty plus, but we're we're gaining pace. You know, our I would call my young guy forty. Okay, thirty-eight, forty would be my young guy, and that and we're picking up pace on that and getting a lot lot more guys in. Um, what would you say to a young person starting a clothing business today for men? I mean, we're in a forty-five hundred people town, right? You know, and you're it, rocking, you're yeah. killing it. Well, it's it's right now it's going good, and I can't predict the future for in retail. I, you know, it's. Uh, um, online shopping and people are buying a lot of and Amazon that stuff I, Amazon hasn't peaked yet in my opinion you really and, think people are going to go online and buy clothes for men well it's Come on. there are some things they can and it's really? happening it's happening out there but that doesn't mean you can't get in that business yeah like there's ways right now I could be selling stuff out the back door if I wanted to I could if I had a website and I wanted to spend a lot of time on the computer I could be selling stuff online worldwide it's happening right now men's boutique they're expanding their businesses from online. It's happening. Okay. So that's definitely someone would have to do. If they came into my store and wanted to buy my store, then I'd say you could you can make this work, but you have to become you have to expand and you have right. to expand into the world of of you know, delivery. Right. Is is sending it through the post office right. or wherever. You have to get into that part of it in order to uh, subsidize the income for Got sure. It. Okay. Final thoughts before we go. Anything else you want to say about money, investing, taking risks? Well, you know, I've never really taken a lot of big risks. I think it's important that you get a financial guide. I believe it. You don't. You, But you're a smart guy. You <laughs> Not can really. You money and buy it. So <laughs> there's ways that, uh, um, that you can make your money grow. But the one thing for sure is don't ignore you know the future, your future, your financial future. Don't ignore it. You should, the earlier you pay attention to it, the better off you're going to be. But it doesn't matter if you wait till you're 38 or 40. It never, it's never too late to start investing in your future. But I really think that um, it's real important for the young people today because I'm not sure how much is going to be out there. If you don't take care of yourself, I'm not quite sure who's going to take care of you if okay. you don't do it yourself. So, sure. so do I refer to you as Mac and Ford and McIntyre Men or Blenheim? Ford and McIntyre Menswear. Okay, so I want to thank Don from Ford and McIntyre Menswear. This is, uh, <laughs> this is Hank from uh, Shrink Money Advice. Look forward to talking to you again next time and have a great, profitable week. You have been listening to the Shrink Money Advice podcast with Dr. Henry Joseph Speck. Remember to pick up your copy of Dr. Speck's latest book, Shrink Money Advice, on Amazon.ca. 
or the audio version at awesound.com. That's A-W-E sound.com. 